on this week's episode, The Sandman Brings Dreams to Netflix. Bullet Train rides to the top of the box office, and Disney says, I am Groot. All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, the Lakers Fast Break, and everything that we do here at the Pop Culture Cosmos because we're the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook. Catch all the many, many hours that we do each and every week right from the tabletop RPG streaming that we do each and every week at the Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where you can also catch the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every day right there for you. Plus, also, if you can go ahead and take care of us at popculturecosmos.com, like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. And if you do, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He is our own Cheers fan of pop culture cosmos, although I actually kind of like it too. It's where everybody knows your name. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. Plus also as well, his work for the Happy Hoarder and also as well the Super BS Gamescast, plus everything that he does today, including his amazing book, which you still haven't got, which you should get which is called Congratulations, You Suck, which is available right now at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It is my good friend. It is Josh Culture Cosmos, a.k.a. Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What's up? You know what? You know, I, I look at shows like Cheers, and I think they were such products of their time, but they should also be their own genre. You know, like they just make you feel good, you know? And that's why I like watching movies like Miracle and Invincible so much because like, I don't know, there's something about that era that just like makes you feel good, you know? Does that make sense? It does, but I'm just still amazed that Ted Danson and Woody Harrelson are still very active in the acting community. In fact, Ted Danson just got blown up. Spoilers! In the Orville, and then Woody Harrelson, you know, he's still a major star. What the man from Toronto, he's just started mm-hmm. on with Netflix, and plus, he's doing a lot of things. Man, he's the Hunger Games, yeah. Star Wars, you could you relate him to that. He's done a lot of great work over these in the Venom movie. Yeah, the, the Venom sequel. Yeah, absolutely. Done a lot of great work over the years. He's just as successful as ever. Ted Danson is still doing a lot of things, even though Mr. Mayor got canceled on television. But so one season show, man. <laughs> yeah. Kind of funny how that worked out for him, but I'm sure Ted Danson's going to land on his feet. Well, uh, you know, at least not in the Orville, that's for sure. But I will say that Cheers should have its long lasting legacy in reruns forever. But my gosh, mm-hmm. the legacy that Cheers will have as far as the TV sitcom community is is almost unparalleled. Well, and they did a good job. I mean, if you look at it through a modern lens, you know, where everyone's trying to like reboot or remake things with like they did a good job of like highlighting both male and female characters, like giving them their chance to shine in that show. And I don't know, it's just like it it had a really good all the characters had a really good dynamic between each other. And I think that that was like one of my favorite parts is because all those characters were incredibly well developed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it couldn't sustain itself after Shelley Long left the show, mm-hmm. but and Kirstie Alley tried to do the best that they could to try and create that, or at least recreate that dynamic, but unfortunately yeah. did not quite work itself out long term the way it worked out before in the Shelley Long Ted Danson dynamic. But again, 
yeah that was good all right before we move on i got a story to tell our audience uh, story time okay here we go uh, here we go i learned i learned a lesson today and let or this week in letting kids change the discs on your video game consoles partially my fault because of my obsession with physical media you know i will not go silently into the all digital future but my kids were playing the ps5 and you know i was, I was like oh cool they're getting into video games and then one of them asked to change the disc in the ps5 and i was like oh sure and because i you know naturally i just assumed that they like kind of knew what they were doing but she took the disc and she ripped you know the little plastic pieces that like keep the discs inside the cases mm-hmm. she like grabbed the disc and ripped it out and that plastic piece was stuck to the disc and then she stuck it into the ps5 and uh now it doesn't read and it scratches discs i took it to the local game shop they're trying to fix it but i tell you man like just learning new parenting things all the time you know and (laughs) if they can't fix it it's just a 500 paperweight okay if everybody wants to tune back to when the playstation 5 came out actually for you you actually admitted on the air it wasn't just a $500. No, it wasn't. I think I spent like 700 on it. I bought it off a local Baylor kid out here who was using his bots to uh, pay for his college tuition. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I ended up paying like a $200 premium on it. And I don't know now, like, yeah, I can just go to the store and buy them. So I guess if I, if I would have just waited, it wouldn't have been an issue. And he's now entering his fall semester at Baylor. This is true. Yes. With his, Scholarship, I'm sure, almost fully paid for, thanks to mm. the PlayStation Five. <laughs> yep, and and fools like me. <laughs> uh, I, we had this discussion two years ago, so I'm not going to mm-hmm. go into it now. Yeah, <laughs> thought you were crazy then, and I still think you're crazy now. But oh, a lot cool. of the, you have a lot of great things to talk about on today's program. Going to be talking about The Sandman, which has made its home this weekend on Netflix. A lot of people are talking about that. Are they talking about that because the fact that it's really the only thing that's new and that's hitting out there outside of Bullet Train? Or are they really into it because of the fact that it is a good show? We'll talk about that coming up here in a bit. We'll also be talking about Bullet Train. How well did it do at the box office? We'll also talk about that coming up here in a sec. Plus also as well, Disney says, I am Groot, because I am Groot is coming out this week. We'll talk about that, plus another show you need to give attention to on Disney Plus that's coming on August the 10th that you can help save for the future. We'll talk about that on the back end of the show. Plus also as well, our thoughts on the upcoming battle here over the next month, month and a half, almost leading into two months between... Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, and Game of Thrones, House of Dragon. We'll talk about which one we're excited about more and which one ultimately we think will be a success. We'll talk about that coming up on this show as well. But first, my friend, a correction from Friday, because here in Las Vegas, Evo has taken place over the course of the weekend. I know it wasn't part of the official roster, but it was a part of Evo, and that is WB Multiverses. They did run their own separate, or actually it was part of the actual Evo experience, but it was its own separate $100,000 tournament. I guess because the game is still in open beta, that they did want to go ahead and make it part of the official Evo tournament per se, but they did run it concurrently as part of the Evo scene and a $100,000 tournament for this really uh, cool brawler featuring many of the WB characters, although actually it's just started off by introducing just a few characters like Rick, Morty, Shaggy, Batman. You've seen some of the trailers that are out there. They do actually have some very recognizable characters. But your thoughts on WB Multiverses before I go into more detail on, on the future of this game Right now, it seems to be gaining a lot of interest. It's gaining a lot of traction on Twitch, and it seems to be a game that maybe has a future out there as a free-to-play game. This is going to be the new Battle Royale. This is what these games are going to become. And I, I wonder, too, like if any of these games, like whether it's Nickelodeon Brawl or Multiverses or whatever it might be, like these little games would exist if not for the Internet's obsession with putting Shaggy into Mortal Kombat. 
Well, you know what? Shaggy is, it, it, I think it's cool. As a big Shaggy fan over the years, and as someone who actually thought he could do the voice, Zoys! and all that for the longest time, I think that it is a welcome sight to see Shaggy get his place in spotlight because he's actually featured him and Batman. If you look at the, the cover, it's mm-hmm. not Scooby-Doo who would normally get that spot. It's actually Shaggy that is ready to go ahead and fling the Batarang, per se, as part of the, mm-hmm. the deal as far as instead of... It's funny because Batman has his lunch, his food as his weapon, and Shaggy is holding his Batarang. I guess that's part of the, the whole nuance of the game itself as far as being able to go ahead and and utilize all the weapons you can and how they're customizable to what these characters are all about and so yeah it really looks good i'm really hoping for a good future for the game i'm really thinking that this could be something that could be a hit i mean it emulates so much the super smash brothers style and formula i really think it's something that a lot of people can get into hey it's free to play so at least it's worth a try yeah yeah no that's true and honestly like the esports scene can only grow from where it's at right now so the more the merrier i guess i would say but also you know it's cool i guess to see these characters that have crossed generations being highlighted in games like this so people can you know will get curious and be like oh where did this come from you know and they'll go back and check out some of the properties that are attached to this game so it's not for me but you know i think it's probably a good thing that it does exist well it seems to be very popular right now and you know i understand that it's the new toy out there and the fact that We've talked about how there's a dearth of, of, or a lack of abundance of video games, I guess, right now, so far in 2022, that this has come out to some great fanfare. Seems to be, as far as the open beta, widely approved and accepted, which is always a good thing. And obviously getting some highlighted coverage at Evo is a welcome benefit with its $100,000 tournament. But let me give everybody a rundown on the characters that they've introduced so far. Shaggy, Rain Dog, Steven Universe, Garnet, Harley Quinn, Arya Stark, which I think was actually a cool move introducing a Game of Thrones character, Finn, Taz, Wonder Woman, Jake from Adventure Time, Superman, Batman, Bugs Bunny, Tom and Jerry, Velma from Scooby-Doo, The Iron Giant, which I thought it was another really cool move. LeBron James, even though it's not LeBron James voicing the character, but okay, from Space Jam and Rick and Morty. So again, that's just a, I think it's just a start, obviously. I know season one, they have now announced that it's going to be delayed. So I don't know how much different that's going to be from the open beta, but they said that it isn't because of the current restructuring and issues going on with the parent company, WB. They said this is unrelated, which... I'm actually going to agree because, as you and I know, the video game industry has delayed a lot of things lately, which is part of the reason why 2022 is such a weak year for me. But I think this is going to be something that, with the proper help and benefit and also the layout of characters going forward, I think this is something that really could hit. But the thing is now, with the WB, which we'll probably go into more here in a second because I know you want to talk about the Batgirl situation. I think with the WB and Warner Brothers restructuring, that could come into play as far as the game's success long term. Yeah, I mean, Warner Brothers, everything's all up in the air right now. And, you know, it'd be cool because I know before they were getting rid of a lot of assets that they had, like they're actually trying to get Warner the uh, game divisions of Warner Brothers acquired by somebody. So now with this new shakeup over there, like maybe this could be a chance for them to start fresh with their gaming stuff and maybe put out some more quality products and uh you know maybe we'll see more lord of the rings more games like the multiverses i don't know there's a lot of fun warner brothers things out there that could be you know made into something cool so i don't know i I guess like there's a lot that's uncertain right now you know it's hard to tell it's hard to say for sure whether it'll be a good thing or a bad thing but you know like i said right now i'm just it's cool that this thing got the momentum it did and is being allowed to exist you know amongst the the ranks of like street fighter and dragon ball and all that stuff 
Well, that's the thing outside of, I think because WB Games has what? The Shadows of Mordor, its sequel, that kind of died down after a while, even after the hype of how well it started out. Shadows of Mordor was a very much beloved game. And then you have, I think the Mortal Kombat games are our part of WB Games, if I'm not mistaken. And outside of that, there's really not a whole lot until you get to multiverses. So this could be a big boost for WB Games, or at least make them more attractive for someone to come in and buy it. Maybe it'd be attractive for someone to come and buy it, but I also think this is a great opportunity for them to like really hang on to this thing and bolster it and you know start putting out some quality products so, i mean even looking at the arrowverse right like there's a lot of cool gaming potential in there too like it's just i don't know like there's it seems like there's some things that they could they could do if they kept it in house that they you know wouldn't be able to do otherwise well i want to hear your thoughts on wb multiverses which is again making a big splash here at evo even though it isn't part of the regular rotation or the official rotation is actually much a part of in its own $100,000 tournament. It's still an open beta, so they're still smoothing out some rough edges. But if you are into a Super Smash Brothers-like contender, I'm not saying it's better than Super Smash Brothers. I think it's got a long way to go there, but it's got initially a very favorable response. It's got some great characters, got some interesting twists, so... Please let us know your thoughts on WB Multiverse. Is it something you're playing now or is it a free-to-play game? Is it something you're willing to get into in the future? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break Podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friends, touching on, like we did before the break, about WB's issues. I, I know Melinda and I broke it down in a lot of detail in regards to the continuing issues regarding Warner Brothers, the the whole dis- the Discovery merger, the fact that HBO Max and Discovery in summer 2023 will finally become an on-screen product merged together and will become one thing. But the issues about hundreds of million millions of dollars in markdowns trying to go ahead and uh, you know just try to i guess try to go ahead and write the ship per se i didn't think it was doing too bad before i thought hbo max was on the on the way up it is still gaining subscribers as we speak it's around 92 million as a shared entity with discovery and hbo but there's a lot of issues behind the scenes and and a lot of things that went on i mean the fact that they they were billions short on their revenue, mostly tied into the merger issue. They're going to have to do a lot of layoffs and restructuring in the, in the near future. We saw what happened with the six original movies that they took off of HBO Max that they could go ahead and do a partial write down. Of course, we saw what happened with Scoob, the holiday movie that was coming out, and also as well, House Party reboot, and of course, most importantly, the DC Batgirl movie, which was $90 million already finished, just going through post-production. They all were basically shelved as far as it's concerned. So there could be a tax write-down of massive proportions. Your thoughts on this whole situation? Because I think it will lead to something for long-term that's going to be a, you know, I guess a potential issue of growth for HBO Max and Discovery. Yeah, I mean, I I don't understand the merger, like, you know, whatever's happening. And it it just like I can see that it would be stressful on, you know, on on the company itself. As for like HBO Max, you know, they kind of like, yeah, their subscribership was up. But like this just goes to show that that model didn't work as well as they thought that it was going to because they have Dune straight to HBO Max. If they were to have put that in theaters first. I guarantee you that it would have made a very large chunk of money from people who, you know, wouldn't sit on their couch to watch it. Well, that was, that was a day and date. That was both theaters and it made, it still made, it still made $400 million and got green. But I think that we would have seen a lot more money had it not been, 
put out in you know on HBO Max as well because Fair enough. you know it you're when you give people a, a, a what do you call it? when you give people an opportunity to watch something like at home for less money they're going to do that for sure so i mean well i appreciate it you know i appreciate being able to watch stuff like that and the batman and all that like i appreciate it you know i love it i got kids and you know finances are tight when you're work you know you got four four uh three kids going to school and having to buy dinner all, all i'm sorry all that stuff though like it, it's i appreciate being able to do that but also like you look at it from their perspective like they're not they're probably not making as much money as they could so it makes me wonder like sure it was a success as far as subscriptions goes but was it really a success as far as like the movie's financials go well, uh, that's something that they're going to do a detour on. There's no longer going to be any HBO Max original movies, at least not in, in the near future, per se. I know that they're gearing more towards high-end, high-cost, high-production value as far as their movies, at least on the DC end, and then also as well their series. I think Peacemaker is still a go, but a lot of what we've seen so far in the dc universe has been now or is now up in question well let's talk about that for a second so we're looking at it there there's been a lot of interesting things going on right we have ben affleck coming back as batman and aquaman so from what i'm reading and you know i've read a lot of things that have like uh you know back to this claim up michael keaton was originally supposed to be an aquaman and then now that ben affleck has said i want to come back as batman they're reshooting scenes that michael keaton originally did so you know i'm looking at this and thinking like they're really just making this up as they go you know ben affleck said i don't want to be batman anymore so i think that that's why they're bringing michael keaton back via flashpoint right because they're trying to rewrite ba write batman out and uh now they're just kind of flipping the script because ben affleck wants to i guess stay in the role or, or whatever he's doing well, I so. think as long as he's on somebody else's project for about, what, a 10 or 20 minutes of screen time, I think he's probably cool with that. Right, right. So, you know, now I'm, I'm looking at that. And then, you know, you think about the the comments with The Rock saying like, oh, Black Adam is going to shape the, the they're basically the Justice Society is going to be the new Justice League. And like you have all these things like they don't they have no idea what they're doing. You know, they say we have a 10 year plan. They don't. They have no idea what is going on. Well, I think you know, that's I, what their eventual goal is to find someone who helped write the ship in order to make a 10 year plan that's coherent and cohesive. Right. And they're not even acknowledging, you know, I've, a lot of these articles that I'm reading there, the journalists are saying that the studios will not give them access to use Zack Snyder's Justice League clips because they don't even acknowledge that as being canon. Yeah, like, that's, the, that's... The, the official version is Joss Whedon's Justice League cut. Yeah, that's kind of disappointing right there. And, with that, I think that you're going to see still some growing pains. This is something, again, where <laughs> I talk about the whiteboard with Kevin Feige's whiteboard. You go over there to the Marvel offices and the whiteboard looks like a nice, complete. Uh, it wasn't as, as maybe some as well structured as it once was, but it's still mm -hmm. pretty good, still pretty structured. Seemed yeah. look looked like it was pretty good, you know, as far as. Phase four, phase five, and phase six, what was outlined at Comic-Con, it eased a little bit of my concern, not yeah. all of it, but it eased a little bit of my concern, what they talked about at San Diego Comic-Con, whereas with DC, it's all over the place. Like you said, you've got the Batman in a different timeline. You've got Joker 2, which is supposed to be coming out in 2024, because Lady Gaga is now going to play the Harley Quinn in that scenario, which is different from Margot Robbie's Harley yeah. Quinn. You know, the, I, again, it's all over the place when it comes to DC. I think with their successes in certain different movies, like Aquaman, it's different from the success of the Joker, which is different from the success of the Batman because they're all over the place. Mm -hmm. Flashpoint is now more important than ever. It truly is. You know, and I look at a lot of the DC's issues, like, Walter Hamada, right? He almost quit over the whole Batgirl incident. And I think that he hates the Snyder stuff because it's been such a pain in the butt for him. And now it's like it's his pride that's on the line. Like they're they're refusing to like acknowledge the stuff that Snyder did because because of the uh the Snyder cut, right? The fans 
want this instead of what the studio wants. And I think that that's giving them a lot of problems. And, you know, I look at something like the Justice League, like even if they don't have Snyder finish his thing, have somebody else come in and do it. Like the dark, they need to close that dark side story loop because like, this would be like Marvel teasing, using 10 years to tease like the buildup of Thanos. And then he just didn't show up in infinity war. You've mentioned that I've seen your, your social media posts. Obviously that is a great concern to you. I just don't think dark side resonates as well as Thanos in the, in the Marvel cinematic universe, just because they did such a poor job at WB and DC of promoting dark side as a threatening and overall important character. I just don't think he resonates quite as well. Yeah. And another big issue is it all happened. So like Snyder's stuff happened so fast you know there was no gradual build-up like there was in marvel like you got teased the thanos stuff and you know you had the end credit scene saying like hey this threat's out there it's looming it's getting closer whereas like with dc stuff it just like happened one thing after another going on to the batgirl thing like i i honestly i think that that's a smart move like i think that it should be released at some point you know like if you want to yeah but then again they have to pay taxes because of it they got the right down because they're not going to go ahead and show it if they actually eventually do or sell it off if it ever sees the light of day then somebody's going to have to be paying some taxes on it that's correct well i mean hopefully at some point they'll be in a better financial position and they can do something like that like don't put it in a closet forever like let people see it eventually but I think it's a smart move if they're restructuring the, and it's nothing against the director, nothing against the actress. It's just like if they're restructuring and they're trying to rebuild the DCU and this does not match continuity or the quality that they're looking for, don't put it out there for people. But, you know, maybe at a later date, put it out, whether it's like a, a digital release or like a physical release. Let people eventually see the work that went into this thing, you know, whether or not you're going to acknowledge that it, you know, treat it like, what is David Hassel's uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. movie? you remember that thing? Yeah. Treat it like that. You know, if anything else, just let let it be. And But, you know, it is tragic for the people who were involved with it. You know what? I got an idea. Go ahead and let a copy just leak out onto the internet and put it on YouTube for free or for charity. And there you go. You don't have to worry about the markdown. Ooh, yeah, that's a good idea. There's always a loophole. Always a loophole. Absolutely. So it looks like there's still going to be issues long-term for the WB going forward. I'm hoping that somehow the restructuring of HBO, HBO Max, Discovery, and Warner Brothers will somehow lead to a more cohesive product. I was really liking the momentum from the first half of the year that HBO Max was doing with all of its great series, Euphoria, Winning Time, Our Flag Means Death, Tokyo Vice, some really good shows have been on the streaming service in the past few months was really starting to get some good momentum outside of the day and day movies that it relied upon the first two years of its existence. And there's going to be some bumpy roads for the rest of this year and into next year. But by the time summer and the final merger on screen that everybody will finally get to see a discovery hbo max product in its entirety in summer 2023 when that finally comes out i'm hoping they'll have everything worked out behind the scenes everything will be restructured to the point where we can finally get a cohesive product and then of course finally work on a cohesive storyline for the dc universe going forward i know what you would like as far as just trying to finalize the the snyderverse but even if that's the case and they do or they don't, just something cohesive that people can understand and follow going forward. Pick a path and stay on it. Whether, you know, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has had flops. You know, they've had things that people hated. They've had things that people loved. Just because a film does bad, don't veer from the path. Like, go, just keep moving forward. You can't have like, oh, this did bad, so now I'm going to restructure everything. Because that is what's made the DC movies such a pain in the butt to follow. What are your thoughts out there on this entire Warner Brothers, Discovery, HBO, HBO Max, DC Universe shakeup? This whole thing has gone down. It's not put a good light on this whole Warner Brothers HBO scenario. So please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. 
And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, holy grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. Well, there's so much more to talk about on the back half of the show, my friend. Once again, it's the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's me, Gerald Glassford, along with my good friend, the Happy Hoarder himself, Josh Culture Cosmos. Any updates for us on the Happy Hoarder? Yes, actually. The website's going to launch in the next few weeks here. I'm still in the process of waiting for the paperwork to come through with the uh, licensing. I have a GoFundMe up. You don't have to give anything, but if you do have some extra change, you know, you want to contribute to startup costs, I'd be grateful for that. And, you know, you might even get something in return. But yeah, things are moving along, you know, not obviously like I want to snap, you know, and have everything finished and ready to go, but that's not realistic. So I mean, we're still getting things in stock. I've got a few Japanese import video games coming in, and we got a lot of DC Multiverse stuff, Marvel Legends figures, and Retro Power Rangers. So I'm really excited about this. It is the Happy Hoarder. Please go ahead and follow it today on Facebook so you can get constant updates on what's going on with the Happy Hoarder. Well, my friend, there's so much more to talk about on this back end of the show. Bullet Train with Brad Pitt. I know some people were thinking out there that could Brad Pitt still lead a number one movie at the box office? And now, mind you, it did meet expectations from what analysts were saying at only $30 million domestically. Still going to be around $70 to $80 million worldwide in his first weekend at the box office. But that's right now, with the kids going back to school, people are more focused on doing other things than watching movie, maybe getting those last-minute vacations in. Unfortunately, the box office is going to suffer. This at $30 million here domestically might be the biggest weekend for many weeks. You and I were looking before we started the show and over the next two months, maybe until late September, could we not see a opening of this kind? And it's only $30 million, but still, that's not really good long term for the box office over the next two months. You know, much like we're talking about video games, it's going to be a sparse year for successful movies as well. You know, I'm glad they're putting things out, but they're still, I mean, look at HBO Max, you know, and the troubles they're having. I think the film industry is still trying to find its footing in this post, you know, pandemic landscape as things are slowly building up to hopefully what they used to be. But it's just everything's very, the ground is very unstable right now or any type of entertainment out there. So we're looking, I mean, Bullet Train, I was, re- I want to see it. Like, it looks cool. Like, it looks yeah. funny. You know, this is one of those, like, non-franchise related movies where it's like, it's a flip of a coin how well it's going to do. You know, it's the same thing with, like, horror movies and rom-coms. People are very hesitant to put that stuff out into a, a straight-to-theater release because they don't know how, what the return's going to look like just because, People aren't willing to go out of their house unless it's one of these like big event films. We've seen some successes. Obviously, Top Gun Maverick at $1.35 billion. So that's a huge success for Paramount. And it hasn't even hit any digital outlets yet. So it's really something I think a lot of people are, are looking forward to on digital. And it's still making money at the box office. Minions has done over $700 million for Universal. Don't cry for Disney, though, because even though they didn't get to a billion dollars with Doctor Strange, it's earned $954 million. Still getting there, Josh. Still getting there. Thor Love and Thunder. I know we thought ill of the movie, but it's going to actually end up over $700 million. There are some successes this summer that, that we've had. Minions, The Rise of Gru. That, again, $750 million there. And, of course, Jurassic World Dominion has earned $960 million, passing Doctor Strange. So there are some decent successes out there. This box office year is going to have its highs and lows. But right now, I think right now, before we get into this lull, I think it's something to good to reflect back on. That's been some. There's been some good successes at the box office. Yeah, there have. I mean, I'm curious to see how like Dragon Ball Super is going to do next weekend. And there have been successes, but I'm telling you, like, it's still 
a huge risk for any non-franchise related film to be put out right now because you know they don't have the advantage of having these massive followings so it's like remember there's a day like when i worked in the movie theaters you know you'd have every week it seemed like there'd be like a new horror movie a new raunch com coming out a new romantic comedy a new action movie like people were making all types of movies you know you go to target on a tuesday and that new release section was packed but now you just don't see that because people are you know one there's a streaming worlds out there but also like people are very um picky and choosy what they're spending their money on you know especially like you look at what's going on with the you know the economy i think that people are not spending as much disposable income on going to see movies as they once did and hopefully that will change one day hopefully you know someone will be able to put out like a a low budget christmas movie you know and it'll make three four hundred million dollars for them but i just i don't think we're quite there yet it's so funny because again i was running down the list of movies coming over the next couple of months and when avatar the re-release sticks out at you that's not really that good of a sign James don't Cameron's worry a cheater can we talk about that for a second he's a cheater man <laughs> like saying that his movie had the biggest box office return of all time that's because he's put it back in theaters like four times that's cheating uh, it is number one i mean the re-release overseas it did very well there that made it pass avengers endgame and then now i think with the re-release here in the states coming up in september ahead of the avatar 2 sequel i think that's just going to make it even more interesting don't worry darling that's the olivia wilde directed movie with florence Pugh and harry styles that's coming out near the end of september i think until then we might not see another movie score as well as bullet train and bullet train only has gotten 30 million dollars here domestically even though it met expectations that's still not a huge opening by any stretch of the imagination so some concerning things going on with the box office but hey you know what that's going to leave us more time to go ahead and talk about other things in the world of pop culture i agree and it's hard to be like an analyst right now because you just can't predict what's going to happen this is unexplored territory for everybody whether it's like a you know video games movies books comic books like nobody really knows like look at the convention scene has just kicked off again this summer but it's like you know they're not nearly as packed as they once were so nobody can predict anything you know we'll have a lot more to talk about you know as the year progresses and we move into next year because you know i think that'll give us a better gauge at like how things like this are going to end up being well, I will say that it did kick off very strong this weekend with Gen Con 2022 in Indianapolis. Of course, Evo here in Las Vegas. I know C2E2 for Chicago, Game On Expo in Arizona. That took place. That's a nice long running convention that came back strong this year. San Antonio had a convention as well where Giancarlo Esposito was talking more about becoming possibly the next Professor X. So, yes, maybe people aren't attending conventions as much as they have in the past, but they're starting to get back into it. So we saw from San Diego Comic-Con a wide interest in going to it. So I think that we're going to be seeing more and more interest in conventions going forward. But, yeah, this weekend was a really good weekend for conventions. I'm actually heading down to the Bell County Comic Con next weekend, so that'll be fun. But a lot coming up. I've been seeing a lot of Instagram posts from anime voice actors and Power Rangers and things like that. They're all traveling around the world again. And, you know, I'm glad people are getting back out there and, and you know, empowering this very unique subculture of ours. I'm noticing that there's a coronavirus starts to trend every now and then so it'll be you know i'm curious if it's these the attendance at these things is going to stay constant or if it's going to fluctuate but we'll cover the major conventions right here at the pop culture cosmos there's been some great news over the past few days from evo and also as well gen con and we have it right there for you at pop culture cosmos on facebook what are your thoughts out there on the convention scene are there any conventions that you're looking forward to please let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com my friend some last topics before we head on out and one of them as we talk about what's coming up in the not too distant future because with the dearth of really hit movies on the way for the next couple months our focus will turn to some major offerings wouldn't you know it 
with even with the problems that they're having, HBO Max, which has pretty much been one of our topics of the day, because they will have Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon. That prequel will be coming out in a couple weeks, and we'll cover it more detail on the Pop Culture Cosmos and PCC Multiverse. But also in September, right after that, you have on Amazon Prime, Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Now, I know in the world of high fantasy, I know it's been talked about how we wanted to see more high fantasy, and we're going to be getting a lot of it here in the coming weeks. Your thoughts on this, my friend, which one are you more excited about? Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, or Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon? You know, that's an interesting question because I did enjoy Game of Thrones. Like, I love the books, but I look at, you know, Game of Thrones. You kind of like trash. No, 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 no. I'm season. I no, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Like, I enjoyed the experience of the show. I like the books even more. But you know, I think about how the show ended and how disappointing that was. And then I think about how like seasons. What was it? Seasons two through seven, right? Just like they felt like a mass because of because of the way it ended it just felt like a massive like just space filler you know so i'm wondering like how is house of the dragon going to be something that keeps the ante moving you know keeps that keeps the excitement at the same level throughout the entire season and how many episodes you know how many seasons are is a show going to progress for like i would hope that it would go to a point where the Jon Snow sequel to Game of Thrones is ready to be let out or ready to be released. But they've done this stuff with Game of Thrones. You know, it's been all the shock and awe and ooh and like, oh, I can't believe they did that. Like, it's been done before. So what are they going to do that's going to, you know, make the series feel fresh and engaging and, you know, wash the, the disappointment of that last season out of people's mouths? Well, I had told you before, and we talked about this before, I thought the natural way to go, according to what we saw in the ending of that last season, was an Arya Stark sequel, where she was on that ship going to unexplored lands, and I thought that following her adventure would have been the best or smartest way to go, the more natural way to go for Game of Thrones fans. I think that I, 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 if you would have done it sooner, I think that would have probably been the more natural way to go because if, if people were still hot off the presses in regards to Game of Thrones, now you're counting on ga- people that are, have gone away from Game of Thrones that might get that Game of Thrones itch back. They need to get that Game of Thrones feeling back that they had watching every week after week after week. You're counting on them to return to that and I'm not sure that everybody's going to come back. I'm not sure that, like you said, with season eight, leaving everybody, uh, so many people with a bad taste in their mouths, if they are going to come back to watch Game of Thrones, and with all the problems that WB, HBO, HBO Max, and Discovery are having right now with their, all the restructuring, they need all the hits they can get. So that's, that's a, a thing that I think should, should be of concern. So I, I, think, I don't know. I, I just don't see it as much desire to go ahead and catch this prequel as i did before with season eight of game of thrones oh absolutely no i i totally agree with you and i I look at this like what made game of thrones so intriguing you know like what kept you going back to it during that series like was it the the dynamic between the characters was it the betrayal or was it like the the overall looming threat of the white walkers you know like there were so many overarching themes in the show that like tied it all together. So if you're going to move, obviously we know that like house of the dragons is about the fall of the house Targaryen, but you know, moving beyond that, you know, you have a snow or if uh, the snow sequel, or if it's about Arya Stark or whatever show they do, like there has to be something like that, that keeps everything cohesive, you know, like Lord of the Rings, it's the threat is Moria, right. And Saruman and the, the orcs and all that but game of thrones like you're going to move beyond the iron throne to new lands like what is going to you can't just have people fight fight a castle you know like always there has to be something that brings people together like a big threat a big bad you know so i just like if they're going to keep adding on to this property how are they going to do that and the fact that you already created a scenario for the creation of the White Walkers, because that would have been a nice 
thing to go ahead and look into into more detail and more depth and maybe you could still can in in the house of dragon but i don't see it having the same charm as if you just had created it as part of this series you've already touched on it as far as how the white walkers came to be and all that and kind of disappointed as far as being able to go ahead and explore that into enough detail because again your your origin story has already been created in the regular game of thrones series and going forward you're going to have the Jon snow series you know him being black knight marvel shouldn't detract i i have a feeling they're not going to have him as far as a huge part of the equation until phase six because of the fact that he's going to be filming this series coming up in the not too distant future so we'll see what happens with Jon snow and that sequel but house of the dragon i'm not only not as excited for I guess maybe, again, for me, it's because of the bad taste season eight left in my mouth. George R. R. Martin had even said that, like, there was, that's not how he's ending the book. You know, he hasn't finished writing it yet, but he said that's not how it's going to end. Will so he I, ever finish writing it? Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, I, I feel like that last season was was very rushed. You know, I don't think they were having, they were, I don't think they were given the option of going into another season. I think they had to wrap it up. And I feel like that that was just like a, is a very cheap move you know like to have i wasn't expecting a happy ending but you know it just like having Daenerys just die like that kind of made the whole thing seem pointless you're listening to the pop culture cosmos don't touch that dial wait do, do people still use dials if you're in the las vegas and henderson areas and are looking to buy sell or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, for me, I, I'm really leaning towards Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Not only the fact that I love the series more than I've ever been infatuated with mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. Even though I thought at times, like you said, seasons two through seven were pretty darn good for Game of Thrones. There were some really nice twists and turns that I think a lot of people really got into, such as yourself. I think for me, Lord of the Rings, even though the Hobbit series didn't connect with the Lord of the Rings fan community as well as the Lord of the Rings movies, the Hobbit series still garnered over $3 billion at the box office. And I know a lot of people still think, how did they make this so much money? But hey, people loved it. People enjoyed it. People went to go see it. And I think that there's been enough time now since the Hobbit series that we can go back into the world again. We're going back into the Second Age, which again, like Game of Thrones, a prequel going back in time. I don't know how much they will cover of that first cataclysmic war or battle. I know that they'll touch on it from what I'm seeing in the trailers. But I would hope that they go ahead and, you know, I, I know we only saw glimpses of the the battle at the beginning of Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, that really started this whole dynamic of the Lord of the Rings. But I would love to see even more about how that battle was set up, how it went into. I, I know we talked about Game of Thrones, House of Dragon, and, you know, you can't really go into the White Walkers a whole lot as far as the creation because you've already seen it. I, I know we saw a little bit of a taste of it in Lord of the Rings, but actually I think you could go into more of that but they're actually, that's the first age, so that's the problem. I think that they're only going to touch on it only a little bit as they go into and develop the second age and how that all came about. Well, I mean, and with Lord of the Rings, like, you look at there's the first, second, third ages. Like, they all culminated in these, like, apocalyptic events, you know? So there's always, like, there are massive stories to tell in each of these things, you know? And, like very few people have actually like read the backstory of all the the Tolkien stuff so I mean for an audience who's uninitiated I guess you could say like it is exciting television looking at you know what you were saying I know that the second age spans 
hundreds and hundreds of years. So, I mean, I'm, I'm curious, like, if it's going to be one cohesive story or if, like, each season is going to, like, make a time jump or, what, you know, I don't know what that's going to look like. But well, I mean, Galadriel is going to be the major character that we're going to follow mm-hmm. in a great portion of the series. And she does flashbacks to the First Age and the battle that ended the First Age. Yeah. I think that's going to be good. I wish we'd gone more into it, but there's so much of the second age that we haven't seen. And, and as far as it almost gets overlooked because when they talk about the first age, talk about the battle of the first age. They talk about going into the third age as far as delving into that. But the second age is something that almost gets overlooked. I am glad that they are going into it. I just wish they would have gone a little bit even farther back to cover a little bit more of the first age and beyond. And I feel like they will, you know, like, I feel like if this is successful, there will be a show revolving around the first age. Like this is a, this is a big experiment for Amazon, you know, with how much money they're dumping into this. But if this is successful, yeah, because I mean, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings covers the third age. You know, this show, Rings of Power obviously covers the second age. And, you know, I'm sure that we will see something involving the first age at some point should this show do really well. And, you know, looking at it, it looks awesome. You know, it looks great. Like we, you know, I know we talked about half a billion dollars, man. Right, right. You know, and I know we talked about budgets before, but like this, you look at a lot of the uh, the other fantasy shows on TV. They look like they're TV shows, you know, but this looks like it's a movie. But my next question to you is so Peter Jackson, allegedly, like they had reached out to him about doing some script reading and then he called back and they never called him back. So what do you think is going on with that? looked like they wanted his initial blessing but it seemed like he maybe was too busy with get back because that was a big success for him on disney plus mm-hmm. earned a lot of acclaim and awards for him but just didn't seem like there was enough real vested interests on both sides it just seemed like it was just like an offering hey josh i think i'm just going to go ahead and give this to you for your approval but if you want to man if you don't no worries i'm still going to go on and do my thing According to the contracts, you know, like the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings that Peter Jackson did are still canon in what is being done on Amazon. So, like, I wonder. Yeah. So, I mean, that makes me wonder, too. Like, I wonder, like, depending on how successful this show is, are they going to reach a point where they're like, no, I think we're going to do it better. Like, we're going to do our own version of it. You can't ignore six billion dollars almost at the box office. And yeah. 20 years of great success of those movies i'm hoping you know at some point we'll see like ian mckellen and hugo what's his name weaving Weaving show up you know like that would be really cool to me well you'll probably see younger characters of them right right and if they if they hit the uh well i mean when they get to the end of this age though like when the if the show reaches all the way to the end of the second age obviously we're going to see like aged versions of these characters and possibly even like an Vigo Mortensen Aragorn showing up like that would be cool they have to do some age reducing technology on that they've already been approved for season two so season two will obviously be something I think everybody will look at as far as how much further into the second age they go but that's a ways down the line my friend that's a really long way yeah I know just big dreams though big dreams what are your thoughts out there on Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, and Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon? Which one are you looking forward to the most? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. The big thing on streaming this weekend was, again, from Netflix and DC's property, The Sandman, which I'm still, you kind of explained it to me because this has been so far in production for such a long time. This was before really... HBO Max got any momentum as far as being created and being run. So that's why it's on Netflix. I know a lot of people were questioning why is this DC property on Netflix, but the Sandman came out. A lot of people are liking it. The best advice I get after watching some episodes is if you are familiar with the content and the adaptation that it's from and the comic book series is from, this is really for you. It's a well-produced, it's a really good-looking fantasy but obviously focusing on dreams and nightmares and and the effects that they can have on us as a society i think it's pretty good i don't think it's great personally because i have not read the material i think it would be better suited for me if i had read the material your thoughts on the salmon on netflix again i think it's pretty good but i know a lot of people are loving it that have read the comic books and are really appreciating the salmon on netflix 
works. I would love to have more of a history with Neil Gaiman properties, but I, I haven't really dived into a lot of them. You know, I watched a couple seasons of American Gods and I've read his like Norse mythology book, but I don't have the expertise on his stuff like I, you know, like I would like. So I'm actually excited to kind of dive into Sandman a little bit. I'm I'm finishing up um Pacific Rim the Black on Netflix. So as soon as I'm done with that, I'll probably start watching Sandman. As long as it it caters to the people who are fans of it, you know, like I don't think that there is any expectation that this show is going to be something that brings in new people you know i think that this like at this point this thing has been in production for so long that as long as it's a hit with the people that like it i think that that would be you know a moderate success but that being said netflix is not in a place to be able to put out moderate successes on the especially with the cost of this because it's rumored to be as much as 20 million dollars per episode yeah gee whiz yeah it's okay for this not to be on HBO Max, I guess is what I'm trying to say, because, you know, it's not tied into the DC universe at all. So this, this is like one of those old contractual obligations. Like this was with Netflix before HBO Max even took yeah. off. So like I said, though, I'm excited to, to see. And if you like, if you said it was all right, you know, I'm, I'm, I trust you. So I'll probably give it a, I'll give it a go, a go here and uh, we'll, we'll, you know, I'll have more comments on it at a later date. Yeah, absolutely. We'll touch more on it when you go ahead and check it out. Again, I thought it was all right, but if you're really into the comic adaptation, I think it's something more for you. But if you have thoughts out there on The Sandman on Netflix, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode, but before we head on out, I want to mention upcoming this week on Disney Plus, the short series of cartoons or animated features from Marvel. I am Groot coming out this week on August the 10th. I also want to touch on the fact that the Orville, all three seasons and season three has left us in limbo as far as the future for that series, but all three seasons are going to hit Disney plus on August the 10th as well. And Seth MacFarlane, the creator of the Orville has said that if it does well, it could still have a future, but I am Groot is also coming out on August the 10th. Any thoughts on I Am Groot catching it on Disney Plus this week? No, uh, probably it's not for me. There are so many things that I'm trying to watch. It's just not a priority for me. You know, I'm maybe sure for my, the kids. Yeah, I'm sure my kids will watch it. I just don't like. I don't know. I feel like this is kind of a cheap story because, like, all they need to do is have him be cute and say I am Groot, and people will love it. So. It just doesn't seem like it's going to have the depth that's required to keep my attention or keep my focus. But again, you know, I'm going to let my kids watch it and then I'm going to ask them to tell me their opinion. And then I will relay their opinion on the pop culture cosmos next weekend. Sounds good, my friend. But imagine eight years ago. Remember, eight years ago, there was a little movie that we weren't sure it was going to do well. And that was Guardians of the Galaxy. And look at since then, what it's become. Three movies, Holiday Special, and I Am Groot. It's crazy to think it was made that long ago. It came out in August, man. A rare August mm. hit. I know. I know. When, what a gem that was, too. Absolutely, indeed. But what are your thoughts out there? You're going to catch I Am Groot this week or The Orville. Please go ahead. If you are a fan of The Orville or are looking to go ahead and catch something as far as a sci-fi series is concerned, please go ahead and check out The Orville this week. The very existence continuing for the Orville could depend on it. But please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a fantastic episode. We were able to go ahead and get through another amazing weekend of pop culture. And looking forward to the week ahead for us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But any last thoughts before we head on out? shameless self-promotion here but if you guys want to go to the uh happy hoarder facebook page give it a like i'm working on putting an instagram together and you know like i said if you feel generous you know we're doing a gofundme for the happy hoarder startup costs you know no pressure or anything i will launch this with just the coins in my pocket if i have to so don't feel pressured yeah i mean just share it with your friends any type of love is appreciated the happy hoarder indeed so for Josh Culture Cosmos, a.k.a. Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. 
And here's hoping you have yourself a great You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.